Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Welcome to Cheaper Than Therapy, a podcast that journeys into conversations that demystify, destigmatize, and desensitize what goes on both inside the therapy room and in daily life. I'm Vanessa Bennett. And I'm Danae Logan. And we are seekers, soul sisters, and holders of sacred space. Every week, we sit down for soul-provoking conversations with fellow seekers, thought leaders, change makers, and even real people during live coaching sessions as they navigate the hard work it takes to be a human. This is Cheaper Than Therapy. We finally decided that we're going to do a long weekend retreat because everyone's been asking us and we just wanted to find the perfect place. So we did. Yeah. And I think it's nice because... There's something about doing a four-night, three-day retreat that makes it a little bit more accessible to everyone when a full week away can be tough. Totally. And, you know, we really decided to do it this time on just so many of the themes that feel alive in our work with our clients and what the, you know, the conversations we're having in our group work with clients um, around the shift in what's happening right now in the collective. Yeah. And what's happening for women. And I think it's a really unique moment in history that we're living through. You see it in so many of the conversations that are happening with, you know, the success of the Barbie movie, the way we're really challenging these patriarchal structures that we talk about constantly and how much the level of discontent and, mm-hmm. um, knowing that something needs to change within my life, but what does that look like even knowing it, right? Yeah. And I think a lot of times people are coming to us in a therapeutic setting and they're telling us that they're feeling, you know, overwhelmed, resentful, disillusioned with their life, disconnected, right? That they're struggling to really identify kind of what is theirs and what is social programming, that they want something different and bigger from their lives, but they're not really sure, like, how, what does that look like and how do I get there, right? Yeah. So we want to create a long weekend where we're going to give you some of the tangible tools that we have incorporated into our own lives that we're working with and the clients that we work with and really what it looks like to start to embody the rise of the feminine principle that we know this moment in history 
sort of prophesized to be about for all of us, right? Hell yeah. So we're also going to walk away really understanding what it means um, to envision our life with a real authentic sense of clarity, with purpose, with aliveness. We're going to have no apologies here, right? We're going to also break down some of the limiting beliefs and where they come from, right? So we're going to get into the upbringing component. Um, why and where is all of this highly codependent, patriarchal, misogynistic kind of, um, you know, approach to life? Like, why are we carrying this, right? It's really important for us to understand and break that down. Yeah. So we're calling it the return of the sovereign feminine. It's going to be in Malibu, California, at the most beautiful estate, January 18th through 21st. And we're just really excited about this one. It feels really close to our hearts. Yeah. So you can click on either of our bio links on Instagram or social, um, or you can go to my website, vanessabena.com uh, backslash retreats, and you can check out all information there. Hey, everybody. This week's episode is sponsored by Astrology Hub. Astrology is so much more than just your sun sign. I know for me, learning about my big three, as they're called, was so helpful in understanding myself better. Our birth charts are just so complex and multidimensional. Right? And for those who don't know, your big three are your sun, moon, and rising, or ascendant signs. Most astrologers agree that the foundation of your birth chart and best place to start expanding your astrological self-knowledge is through the sun, moon, and rising. And they're called the big three because they're the primary astrological illustrations of your personality, emotional life, and how you move through the world. And among all the other amazing tools and resources they offer, Astrology Hub has a sun, moon, and rising report where they do a deep dive into what your big three say about you. Right. So here's some of what the sun, moon, and rising report will reveal about you, both in your personal life and your professional life. So the sun is really all about your identity and what is central to you, your creative drive and how you want or need to be seen. Your moon is about your emotions, your instincts and subconscious patterns and what you need to feel nurtured. And then your rising is really the role you play in your life, how your character expresses and how others see you. And right now, if you go to astrologyhub.com backslash my free report, you can download your personal sun, moon, and rising report for free. And if you have questions that you want some deeper astrological guidance on, check out Astrologer Connect at astrologyhub.com backslash astrologer connect. And you can easily book a reading for the future or connect instantly with your matched astrologer. Plus, from now until December 25th, you can use code THERAPY15 for 15% off an astrology reading. Such a fun holiday gift idea. Gift one to yourself or to your friends. Hello. Hello, baby. <laughs> I just feel like saying, hello, baby. Hello, baby. Like a 1950s song. Um, we have some questions. We haven't done some questions in a, a few weeks. Um, we've had some awesome questions submitted by listeners. And there was one in particular that jumped out at me. Um, probably because, I'm just going to say it, you know, it was, it was actually written in by a man. And I think that you and I are are always kind of looking to put some of their voices, you know, into the mix and into the conversation. I think so often women are the ones like leading these conversations, asking these questions. And so it's it always kind of gives us a smile when we see a man really in there and engaging, right? And attempting to have these conversations with us. So I'm going to read this question um, written in by a listener. So he says, a topic 
rather than a question for one of your Q&A sessions. You both often mention the pressure from society about not being seen as a whole or complete, as whole or complete, unless you are partnered. But what are the alternatives? I'm a middle-aged white cis hetero male who finds myself partnerless as I begin the second half of life. My children are almost grown and launched, so I'm not in need of a co-parent to help me there, nor am I interested in introducing that kind of change into their lives, but I miss having a trusted confidant that a partner provides, and I miss the intimacy of human touch. The polyamorous movement that pretends to be more than just a hookup culture for older folks isn't attractive. It's shallow, hollow, icky, and he said that's a technical term, (laughs) and sometimes outright scary. I don't need a partner and understand why the societal pressures to partner off can be harmful, but where's the middle ground? How can we have secure and trusting monogamous relationships without being a part of the partnering problem? Thanks for your thoughtful consideration on this increasingly important topic. Mm. I mean, I love this question so much and I love that this is the space of what we are collectively grappling with from my perspective. I think we are living through a space and time where there is a paradigm shift occurring before our eyes and the patriarchal models of partnership from my perspective are dying Mm -hmm. before our eyes. And we are really in this space of feeling a little bit untethered with what does that mean? What this person writing in is asking is essentially what I think we're all attempting to understand and construct for ourselves. And what's beautiful to me is it's really giving us an opportunity to be confronted with some of the things I believe we have been hiding from in partnerships, Mm -hmm. which is some of the existential anxiety, some of the like fear of being alone and, um, what it means if I don't have someone here to sort of do some of that soothing work for me. And, you know, it's an interesting thing because as much as we need one another as human animals, there is a way that I have seen, we have really made it a practice collectively to objectify one another as human animals, meaning in the same way that we might use a drug or shopping or sex or food as a way to soothe discomfort. We have really gotten in the habit of doing that with one another. And so what does it look like to be in relationship with one another if we're bringing that into our conscious awareness and saying we're not going to do that anymore, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, I, what's coming up for me is how many people I'm working with currently who are actually in this same realm of questioning, right? It does feel very... Um, I don't know. There's, it's thematic. It's like, it doesn't matter what question, like how it's actually articulated as a question. It feels like we're all grappling with something. Right. And I would say even those of us who are in partnership, right. Are still grappling with this idea of, I want it to look different. I want it to feel different. I don't want to, you know, as my partner says, trace old blueprints. Like I'm not interested in that. Right. Um, I would I would rather actually be alone and unpartnered than be in a partnership that feels um, like previous generations versions of patriarchal partnership. Right. And so I have clients that I see who are both partnered and not. Right. I mean, I'm partnered and are doing this work of dismantling, which is tough. Right. I mean, 
this is what we swim in. It's the air we breathe. That's what we've been taught. And like you and I have said a bunch of times, it's it's sometimes harder almost to be like the way shower or be the one that's at the front of it because you don't have anything to look towards. You know, you don't have somebody who's come before you, a wise elder to say, let me show you the way. You know, you you have to become kind of your own wise elder in a sense. Um, but here's what, right? Like here's what some of the, some of the different things that people in my practice are explicitly expressing that they want or they don't want, right? I think this would be an interesting because I'm curious to know if it's similar for you. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so some of the things they don't want. They don't want what we've always seen as these like traditional gendered roles, right? Which in nowadays society means that both partners actually work the same amount of time outside of the house, but the woman still does 80 to 90% of everything in-house, including children and taking care of the home and all that. They don't want that, right? And this is both men and women that I work with, actually, not just the women. Um, they don't want these like sexless, we're just friends, we can't stand to be in the same room with each other, but we're just kind of in this because we're partners, um, relationships, right? They don't want that. Um, they do want somebody who's going to complement their goals and their visions for what they're building. Um, but they are also very much in the idea or like the space of understanding, which it sounds like this guy is too. Um, this one person's not going to fulfill and check every box, right? That feels different. It's like, I know that I want this person to share in values and goal and vision, but I know also like I'm very much in the awareness around they can't check all the boxes. Now, being in awareness of that and being in actual practice of that, <laughs> feel a little bit different. And I know, you know, you've had a lot of experience of people really struggling with that as, I mean, I personally have had experience struggling with that. Yeah. I think where we have gotten in trouble and as a society, what I think we are moving back into is a spirit led way of being where we have for so long been like the structures that keep us safe, the patriarchal models that tell us what a good life is. Um, some external authority tells you what is like what your relationship should look like and how many times a week you should be having sex and all the mm -hmm. things because some external source says that we are saying, hmm. If that's not actually bringing fulfillment, why is that? And to me, a lot of that is the checklist that mm -hmm. you just listed, that we think that this is like something that we can put into a rational framework and I can execute it and I can make it happen like any other goal. And it is not logic. It is love. Mm -hmm. And I think it is the shift from a my will be done to a thy will be done. And I am saying to universe, source, something bigger than me. What would you have me do? What would you have me experience? What do you believe is the right divine assignment or orchestration in terms of partnership for me? And that it's that thing that they say to, um, you know, in like um, uh, preschool, the kids, like you get what you get and you don't get upset is a little bit the realm that we're moving into. Um, Who meaning... says that in preschool? I've never <laughs> They say that in preschool. That's like, a little aggressive. You get what you get. Like, I damn. I'm like, and this is like something that is really, really challenging for us to accept as adults because in a patriarchal system of living, what I see so often is I work with a lot of single women who have had unbelievably successful careers and, you know, checked all the boxes and everything that I have wanted in life, I have figured out how to make happen and I cannot solve this mm. puzzle. Mm -hmm. I cannot make this man that is who I want 
um, appear. I just can't, I can't make another person be who I want them to be. And that's the point. The other human being is the variable that is outside of our control. And I think that what we're learning is how do I drop into the space of, you know, if there's some orchestration outside of myself, if there's a bigger path, then whoever is in my life is meant to be there for as long as they are meant to be there. Mm -hmm. But it is not my will and my job and my right, frankly, to say for how long that is and when it appears. But what I can do in response to what this person is asking is say, how do I start to really follow the Raja, the breadcrumbs of my bliss, as you would say, in life in general yeah. and start to cultivate a life that I am in love with, whether there's a partnership here or not, and let whatever I am meant to experience just collide with <clears throat> me without me orchestrating how that plays out, you know? Yeah. I mean, I also think that there, you know, I, I'm there's two things that are coming up. So one, I am motivated by, inspired by, in awe of so many of these people that are asking these questions and having these conversations and holding themselves accountable for the ways that they've showed up, you know, in the past in codependent ways and and kind of followed what they thought they were supposed to do. But now they've kind of had this awakening and they're like, I'm not doing that anymore. <clears throat> and also... And I've, I've had this in a couple conversations with my clients. And also I see it in this question. I think a little bit of it is when, when this person asked, what's the middle ground? Um, what's coming up for me is making space for sadness. Yeah. And I, I think that there's a big part of this, which is like, okay, uh, logically I've had these conversations and I'm not going to partner until it's justified. And I, you know, and I, I'm going to make my life as best as it can be. And I'm going to fill it with loving friendships and I'm going to do all these things. And I'm still fucking sad because I want a partner. Right. And I want, like he said, like I crave human touch, right? Very normal human desire. Right. And I think that it's hard for people to hold both. Right. You can still be sad. Right. You can still have feelings of loneliness. You can still have feelings of longing and of desire um, that are at this point unrequited, right? And that doesn't mean anything's wrong with you. That doesn't mean you're weak. That doesn't mean you're failing at changing, you know, being part of this change of relationship paradigm. It means that you're human. And instead of beating ourselves up for feeling sad or feeling lonely, can we pause and in that moment just say, I feel sad. I feel lonely. Can that be okay? Right. I think that's a big part of the conversation that a lot of people don't want to have. Yeah. And I think that it's just allowing that sadness and feeling lonely are feelings, just like joy, just like excitement, just like, you know, I'm anxious that come and they pass. You right. Know? Like people will ask me a lot of times, um, like you never get lonely. And I, I'll say, of course I get lonely. I'm like I'm a human being. And when I feel lonely, not like the goal is to never feel lonely. I allow that to be a feeling and an experience that I am in and know that that is not who I am, mm -hmm. right? I am not a lonely person. That is not I'm feeling identity. That is a feeling that comes yeah. and then it passes, but we're so accustomed to not feeling uncomfortable feelings. Yes. And that does go back from my perspective to the addiction 
realm of like how we have been culturally conditioned to pacify uncomfortable feelings with other people. It's like, I feel lonely. I should have someone here. Let me go mm -hmm. on a dating app and like find someone. And again, I'm not saying like you shouldn't be on dating apps and you shouldn't like look for- Be actively looking. Yeah. Knock yourself out, like do that. But I think a lot of times we are attempting to mold something into something that is true where we are attempting to make something work to avoid the loneliness mm. when it's like, what if I just like literally so much of like what we do when we're learning to overcome any addiction yeah. is to ride the waves of discomfort and know that they're not going to kill me. What if I learn to be lonely and know that it's not a feeling yeah. that lasts forever and that eventually I will feel something else. Or when I feel lonely, that's an indication that I need community and that I need to reach mm -hmm. out to my people, right? Like, what if I didn't make it something that like is wrong and that I need to like make go away and not feel, but yeah. I used it as a way to be in deeper relationship with myself. Yeah. And another thing that's coming up as you're speaking is I was thinking, <clears throat> By the way, people who are in partnership feel lonely sometimes too. <laughs> I would say the most lonely for the record. Like, I can't tell you what, who, that's a um, Carl Jung quote. There's mm -hmm. nothing lonelier than being sitting next to someone and not feeling connected. And mm -hmm. thank you for saying that because what I experience in couples all the time is I feel so unbelievably lonely in the lack of intimacy in this intimate relationship. Like, I can't say a billion things to this person and I don't know what is more lonely than that. Well, and I, I've, you know, I mean, I've had conversations even with couples who are really happy and actually are truly intimate with each other and they still experience loneliness. I say that to say loneliness is a human emotion that no one gets away from not feeling like there is no balm, no salve, no fix to not feel the sadness and the loneliness that comes up from being a human being because we are alone. We come into this world alone and we die alone. And I, I believe that regardless of partnered, not partnered in a quote unquote healthy relationship, not in a healthy relationship, whatever, I think so many of us struggle with sitting with this feeling of loneliness because really what it does is it brings up an existential fear of our actual absolute aloneness. Again, we come in and we leave this life alone. And I'm not saying that like womp, womp, Debbie Downer. I'm saying that as like, it is the, it is the fact of the universe, right? And I think that a lot of humans, especially in Western culture, disconnected from spirit, disconnected from the numinous, dis disconnected from self, we're so panicked by this idea that we actually fight against anything and everything that even reminds us of it. And I think loneliness reminds us of that kind of universal fact, honestly. Yeah, absolutely. I think the thing is, it's like if I am looking for some person to be the point of arrival mm -hmm. for me to not feel these feelings of loneliness or not feel that like, oh, it is hard to be alone, to be honest, that's not the time from my perspective to get into a partnership. I agree. Real talk. Like, I think that is like making someone responsible for something that is not their responsibility and they will inevitably let you down. Mm. I think that that's this thing of like, and I've gone back to like some of my friends that were single when I was in the marriage, I apologized and been like, you know, I think there's a way that we hold like 
this illusion that like you're you've arrived you're in a partnership like Mm -hmm. you've got it figured out and I'd be like just get on the dating apps it's so easy like you know really sort of like I was an authority on something because I was in a partnership and it just like it's just not true like like you're saying all of the human emotions are there no matter what but I think when I can get to a place where I'm good in my life and I'm in love with my life, whether someone ever arrives or not. And I say this a lot to people and they're like, like ever, like, but to me, surrender to what is means I have no attachment to the when it comes. Mm -hmm. I have no desire to control the if it comes like thy will be done means I'm out of it, spirit. You take the wheel. And so if nobody's ever here, how can I be in radical acceptance of that? and and fall in love with life and that that is big work but i believe collectively that is the shift in consciousness that we are coming into yeah i mean it's it's really about being the soul i'm going to say owners of the word i'm thinking of conductor maybe creator of your life you know like really making it feel like the absolute best version of life that you could possibly have for yourself. Um, you know, it's like I always say, I always talk about relationships being the cherry on the Sunday, romantic relationships, right? Like Sundays, in my opinion, I don't need a cherry. My Sundays are delicious. Like I love a good, you know, Sunday and they come with all different toppings and you can mix and match it and you can make it your own. But cherries just, it's a cherry on top, right? It's something that adds some sweetness. It adds like an aesthetic look to a Sunday, but a Sunday can be delicious without a cherry. And I think that a lot of us are in this idea or this place, this state, this reckoning of how do I make that, that Sunday as delicious as possible. And then if a cherry gets put, to, put on top, cool. But if not, it's still going to be delicious. Yeah. And I think what I'm also understanding is that we're reimagining what the purpose of relationships are. Yes. It is not like to bring me a sense of fulfillment. It's literally for me to be in the space of learning about myself through what this relationship brings up and it will bring things up. And it's Mm -hmm. not like, oh, you're going to like get into a relationship with someone. And if it's healthy, then you're never going to have any struggles or any contrast or any things that come to the surface. Of course you will, because you are one human being coming into relationship with another human being. But if I say, you know, that is meant to teach me, that is the curriculum, not like when I find my soulmate, they will just know how to love me in a way that Mm. feels comfortable all the time. That's just like the thing that I think we're maturing out of a little bit and saying like, of course not, of course we're going to have challenges because that's what it is to be alive. But there's so much growth and expansion in that if we're willing to see it that way. Yeah. I mean, I think even in like the last, I mean, at this point, close to six years that I've been in partnership, there's been a change, I think, in both of us. And I actually will speak for both of us. We were just having this conversation on Monday um, about that, which has been a transition individually coming into a relationship with whether we actually verbally or consciously acknowledged it or not, this expectation that this person's going to kind of fulfill and is going to solve problems and is going to make things better and all those things that we were talking about. Um, And really transitioning into a space of, oh, that's actually number one, not 
the other person's job. Number two, not realistic anyway. Like that's just not what people do or partnerships do, right? But also really coming into this idea space of this person is a constant experience of um, a stage for evolution, a mirror for me to look into, um, continued opportunity for me to accept and own what's mine, um, for me to peel back layers of, oh, there's a part of that wound that I didn't even know was there or existed until this specific thing happened, right? And brought it up. And then what an amazing opportunity now I have to then take that and and do some work around it, right? And really coming into more recently a space of like gratitude for the other person and the way that they've actually held up those mirrors and a lot of really uncomfortable mirrors. And that has nothing to do with whether we're going to be together forever or not. That's not even what I'm saying, right? It's just like in this moment, in the present, really being grateful that you are who you are. You're different than who I am. Thank goodness. Thank goodness you piss me off, ruffle my feathers, put this mirror in my face because there's just been such an opportunity to grow from that, right? And the fact that we've both kind of landed there recently has just been, they've been interesting conversations, right? That I don't think we were having before. Yeah. I think the biggest difference that I am seeing is like holding someone as that mirror is like holding the relationship. And I think John talks about this a little bit, like as water in your palm Mm. versus like grasping. And that is what we've been doing. Like Mm -hmm. my security comes from my ability to grasp onto this. Mm -hmm. And if we hold something like we would hold sacred water in our palm, then it's here. And it's for me to like witness with reverence, but it does not belong to me. And we're, I believe putting down forever as the goal, like who cares about forever? Yes. Forever is an illusion anyway. What we have is right now. So in this moment, how can I hold the sacred orchestration of this collision and what it has come into my life to teach me right now for as long as that is. And I don't need to be in the attachment of what that is or how long that lasts. Well, and I think also letting go of that attachment lends itself to the love continuing even when the partnership doesn't. So if I let go of the illusion, right? Like John, John uses this, this saying where he's like, you know, um, it's, it's more about the promise than, than, I don't know what the rest part is, but he talks about it being more about the promise. And it's like, I'm holding you accountable for a promise, right? For this idea that I had that you were going to make me feel secure, that you were going to be with me forever, that you were going to X, Y, and Z, right? And if we can go into partnership in a way that you just said, really being in the moment of all that this is here for, all that this is here for me to experience and to show me and to teach me but not be so hung up on the the promise, as John calls it. Um, when things run their natural course, we're less likely to take it personally and then hate that other person, right? Because it's not about us. It doesn't become about us anymore. Um, I mean, it usually isn't about us, but it's it's just a lot easier, I think, to hold that person in love and reverence when you're not hanging all of these expectations over their neck. When you're not making them your higher power. And I think that to me, what we are, you know, circling back to in terms of the question that we were initially answering is, I believe the way that relationships are shifting is we are coming back into a 
expanded awareness of ourselves as souls and Mm -hmm. that we are more than these bodies. And what that means is I don't have the ability to orchestrate some of these things that are bigger than me. I don't know about you, but nothing magical has ever come into my life because I figured it out and made it happen. Nothing not a thing that has been magical has been because from my ego mind, I orchestrated it and Mm -hmm. muscled it into fruition. It's always been something that came and manifested. And I was like, oh, I I would have never known how that could happen. And I think there's something in allowing ourselves to trust, capital T, trust more in the universe's ability to bring us every single thing that we are meant to experience. And can we be in the excitement about that versus the fear that it won't happen, you know? Because a lot of times I think we're sort of blocking the chi and the life force when we're in that, but when, I don't know, I need to figure it out. It's like, we're sort of blocking what we're able to receive well, I said, actually, I was just having a conversation with a client yesterday where she was saying, you know, oh, like we were, I've done all this work. I've done all this work, you know, and I'm in this state. And she was in a state of sadness and um, in resistance of what was happening in that moment in her life. That was a very difficult thing. And, you know, there's that voice in her head that's going, stop it, cut it out, stop it right now. Like, listen to a podcast, meditate, go for a walk. Like, you know better than this. And I'm like, here's what. That's actually your ego talking. This whole version of yourself that you've worked really hard to create that, you know, gets over things quicker, that doesn't get hooked into anger. Like, I'm not saying that all these practices are not amazing. And also, we have to be really careful that our ego doesn't come in and masquerade as our higher self and kind of invite us into bypassing. Okay. Because again, going back to what we were saying a little while ago, this is part of the practice of. I feel scared. Okay. That's okay. Can you sit with that? I feel alone. Okay. Can you sit with that? I feel lonely, right? Okay. Can you sit with that? It doesn't mean that you're going to feel it forever. It doesn't mean that if you acknowledge it and sit with it, that you're somehow not doing your work or that you're failing in some way, you know? Um, And if you can't make space for those versions of yourself, I would actually argue that partnership's going to be even harder for you when it does happen. Because even more so, you're going to be clinging to that person to make you feel better because you haven't actually done the work of sitting with, I feel sad. Can I just allow that to be my state right now without fixing it or stopping it or, you know, elevating above it or distracting from it? Because in the moment of having a partner, you're going to grab them to do that. Yeah. And I think to give someone a tangible tool of what that looks like to do the opposite, what I do is I talk to my little girl. I literally Mm -hmm. tell clients and people all the time, I talk to my little girl in the mirror constantly. I tell her, absolutely, everything that you're feeling is valid. I understand. It makes sense that you feel that way. Um, I remind her that, you know, she's not alone because there are entities and angels surrounding me and that. I'm never walking alone, even when I'm by myself. But I think to your point, what we're talking about is reparenting work ultimately Mm -hmm. and the ways that we have a different conversation with our inner child that is not a harsh, punitive one. But if we look for our partner to do that, which is frankly what like we've been conditioned to do, it's a never ending pit of need Mm -hmm. because I haven't learned how to have those reparenting conversations with myself. I haven't learned how to like close that gap. And then that partner just starts to feel really depleted 
with the need for like constantly being that parental entity in your life. Yeah. Yeah. Tracking it sensationally as well is another really good tool if somebody, you know, is asking or looking for tangible ways to do this work. Um, that's one of the practices I, I use a lot, right? Whether that's good or bad, like I feel overwhelming feeling sensation. And so I kind of close my eyes and I meditate on the sensation. You know, I meditate on the clenching in my stomach, the tightness in my chest, the heat in my face, the the feeling of wanting to cry. And I just notice it and I verbalize it and I track it and I watch how it moves and I watch how it evolves and I watch how it most likely dissipates after I've been paying attention to it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that is going back to that, the words that he used in his question, I think that is the middle ground. You know, he said, what is the middle ground? I think that's it. I think that is the middle ground. It's being with yourself and making your life as full as you can possibly make it. Um, and knowing that you're not going to be able to muscle your way or control your way into making something look different, making your life look different. Yeah. I just wanted to say one other thing, cause you reminded me of something that came up yesterday in one of our groups in the cheaper than therapy um, community. Someone was saying, you know, similar to what this person wrote in, I hear you and Vanessa talking often about like having your own back and taking care of yourself. And what I think it's important to name, and she was saying actually that you told her a lot of what she was experiencing internally could be solved by just having a conversation with her partner. And I just want to name what Vanessa and I are advocating for is not like keeping everything all together and hiding all the messy bits and only showing your partner what is clean and organized Mm -hmm. and makes sense. It's just to me, interdependence and the differentiation is I can't fix this, but I can go through it with you. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of times what we're saying when we're saying I'm looking for my partner to do my reparenting work is we're looking for someone to fix uncomfortable feelings. And that's not the same thing as allowing someone to see you're messy. And I just want to be really clear because I think that's a distinction where people are often misunderstanding what we're saying or advocating for. And we're not saying at all that like we keep all of this bottled in and don't show anybody else ourselves. That's not intimacy. Intimacy is into me see. So we still want to let people see us. It's just, we don't make other people responsible for quote, fixing what is hard. Yeah. Um, And I want to end on, I was just thinking the etymology of the word alone is actually all one, not etymology, but the, the, the original kind of creation of that word comes from all one. That's where alone came mm-hmm. from. And it, it does have a more spiritual meaning than I think we use it now. So just to kind of put that point out there, this idea of us being alone, right? When we come in and come out of this world, like all one meaning it's not just us really, like it's us in our higher power. I think the the fact that we are alone is always an illusion, really. Anyway, we are connected to one another. That is the larger all truth. one. Even when we are sitting by ourselves, we are still all one with the universal energy that vibrates and emanates through and as us. Great. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Cheaper Than Therapy. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to share it with a friend, subscribe, and give us a five-star review on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you want to connect with us more, find us on Instagram at Cheaper Than Therapy, the podcast.
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.